Hey, thanks for listening. This is Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast, giving you the inside scoop on Houston advertising and marketing, created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter at aaf-houston.net. And today's podcast is underwritten by Effective. Marketers have more ways than ever to reach their audience and more insights from data with which to do it. Check out the Data Builds Brands white paper at effective.com slash AAF. That's E-F-F-E-C-T-V dot com forward slash AAF. A couple of things before we get into our podcast today with Tracy Ann Hart, the photographer behind the incredible coffee table book called Seeing Stevie Ray, Stevie Ray Vaughan, that is. Our AFHE newsletter, it's a good way to uh, to keep up with everything we do here in Houston, from networking opportunities, webinars, monthly luncheons, member resources, special events like the American Advertising Awards, student conference competition, member discounts, resources, job postings, a whole bunch of great stuff. It's your connection to big thinkers, bold ideas, and Houston's best marketers, creatives, communicators, and storytellers. You can sign up at aaf Houston. Net. Also want to talk about the uh, AAF uh, Student Conference. College students across uh, AAF's 10th district compete to create the best ad campaign for a client and a sponsor. Don't miss the opportunity to do real work for a real client on a real deadline. This is always a high point of our year, and it's an important one, too, for American Advertising Federation Houston. The dates of the uh, Student Conference this year, November 5th, through the 7th, yes, it will be a virtual a Zoom conference. There is a cost, 30 bucks, And you can go to af-houston.net to find out uh, more about that. And if you've been following the activities of the American Advertising Federation Houston for the last several months, you'll note that all of our live events and activities have gone online. And uh, very successfully so. We've done a lot of great webinars and met a lot of great people like you. If you've not participated, uh, we invite you to do so. We've got one coming up on the 21st of October. It's a free webinar. It's free, okay, so you take a little time out of your day. It's from noon until 1. It's called Why It's Easy to Market to Your Clients But Not Yourself. In other words, how good of a job are you doing marketing your agency, your creative group? And I guess the hands-up answer would go, uh, I could be doing a better job. Margot Aaron is our presenter for this event. It's a webinar, the Greater New York uh, City Area Writer and Marketer. And again, it's October the 21st from noon until 1. It's just an hour out of your day, and it's uh, it'll be a valuable hour spent with uh, your friends here at the American Advertising Federation Houston. Where do you find out about that? aaf-houston.net, and you can sign up for the free webinar right now today. Go do that. But right now, let's talk pictures. Tracy Ann Hart is a professional photographer since 1981, the owner of the Heights Gallery. Her photographs of music legends have been exhibited in galleries and in private collections from Texas to Australia. Her work has graced album and DVD covers, billboards, international magazines, and other media. And what we're doing today is talking to, to, to Tracy about a brand new book. It's called Seeing Stevie Ray. Yeah, Stevie Ray Vaughan is what we're talking about. And uh, it's uh, here's a quote. I've got to read this. First of all, Tracy, it's nice to have you uh, with us here on the, uh, the Ad Speaks Houston podcast. Thanks for being well, here. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. 
You know, the, one of the quotes says, in these pixels, the music verges on deafening, but more pointedly, if you ever lost yourself in the maelstroms and slipstreams of Texas flood, couldn't stand the weather, or in step, these photographs will burn into your frontal lobe. Your image <laughs> endures in the minds of those exposed. That's from the Austin Chronicle. I don't think you can get more, much more intense than that. Uh, I, I, like, I like books that burn into my frontal lobes, if I'm sure everyone does. You know, Tracy Ann Hart has also been a part of the American Ad Federation in Houston on several occasions. The events that we did with Paul Hobby, Mattress Mac, Jim McInvale, Shake Russell, and, and so much more. Tracy's been there to capture these photos. You, you don't see her because she's very stealth and moving around the room capturing photos of, uh, of these uh, great people. And one of the things that she's also been doing, as we just mo mentioned a moment ago, is she's been following rock and roll and music uh, for, I'm, I'm sure, most of your life, but as a professional photographer since 81. So there's a lot of good things that have gone on between 81 and now. One of those things is Stevie Ray Vaughan. This book is brand new. It's available. You can get it now. It is incredible. It's one of those coffee table books that you really want to have out there because it adds a kind of an attitude of cool to your place, if you know what I'm saying. And you don't have to be from Texas to say that. It may be difficult to say anything about Stevie Ray Vaughan that hasn't already been said. The skinny kid from Oak Cliff on the south side of Dallas who followed his older brother Jimmy in and out of local blues clubs and eventually to Austin would go on to establish himself as the finest guitar player of his generation, perhaps the best of all time. Won't argue with that. Vaughn was truly a conduit for the symphony of the universe. The music that flowed through him endured him to hordes of fans, won him near divine status among guitarists, rightfully so, and uh, SRV continues to inspire and enthrall even decades after his passing. This book, by the way, has a few uh, forewords written. One is uh, Eric uh, Tesmer. Um, Eric was named, I don't know whether you know this or not, but you probably do, Tracy, uh, after yeah. Eric Clapton by his father, uh, because uh, he, oh. he was also a guitarist. Uh, David Grissom uh, played with John Mellencamp and is is part of this uh, wonderful book as well. And Nally Colt, uh, the the band is Vintage Trouble, also uh, backed uh, bands like the Who and the Chicks and such like that. So you've you've been hanging around with some really cool people for a really long time, and you just happen to have a camera in your hand. So let's talk about that. How okay. how does a photographer connect? with a guy by the name of Stevie Ray Vaughan. How did you do that? Well, uh, I was doing photos for a, a new wave music paper in Houston called Public News. And um, this was, you know, back uh, 81, 82. And uh, they said, well, hey, this guy Stevie Ray Vaughan, he's playing with David Bowie. He's on David Bowie's album, Let's Dance. So... Um, and he's playing at Fitzgerald's, uh, so you need to go there, and, and we've got a couple of writers that will go with you and you know, meet him and take pictures and, and all that. And I had already uh, photographed Jimmy Vaughn and the Thunderbirds and thought he was just wonderful. I mean, I just thought he was the most amazing guitar player I'd ever seen. And um, I knew of Stevie, but I just hadn't, you know, made it to uh, to a show to see him yet. 
And thankfully, uh, public news uh, gave me the prod that I needed to go over there and and photograph him. And that's how that started. It was just like Stevie's career took off because he played on Let's Dance and, and that connection with David Bowie. I have to be eternally grateful to David Bowie because that's how I met Stevie. Yeah. Well, no, so I know the the connection, the business side of the draw to Stevie Ray Vaughan. For you personally, was it his music or his persona that really kind of glued you to that relationship? Well, they're, they're, they were kind of inseparable. Uh, I mean, that's the whole thing, the, the, uh, the swagger on stage and the, the, the clothes and the and the, the playing and everything and and, and I, I I mean I just thought he was incredible and I'd always uh, regretted the fact that I was too young to photograph Jimi Hendrix mm-hmm. so there was that too you know that that Hendrix thing that that Stevie had and uh, you know nobody nobody did covers of Hendrix or or uh, caught that uh, that persona the yeah. way that Stevie did. In fact, the first time I met him, he was wearing a Hendrix Ninth of the Universe short. So, <laughs> you know, to see him, uh, the the fire and the, uh, the the just the way he put everything into the sound check. You know, I mean, just. A lot of people just don't do that, but uh, just seeing that sound check and hearing Stevie, it was like, oh my god, you know. Oh, yeah. But this, yeah, this this shy, um, uh, humble person, you know, backstage talking to him, and then he goes on stage, and it's just like lamb to lion, you know. <laughs> <laughs> He's become the guitar god. Part of one of the yes. thing one of the things in your book was kind of cool. It said, you know, what they would do uh, for effects, they would take and run his guitar through an amp, and they would put it in a downstairs room, and then mic that and run that through the uh, PA system. And there was somebody uh, who was listening uh, to that uh, the stuff that uh, he was playing, and the guy said he never missed a note. And uh, really, uh, how true that is. I mean, it, it, he made playing that instrument so looks so effortless, so smooth, so so predictably good, but it was unpredictably good at the same time. It was just so innovative and everything. So whatever you say about Stevie Ray Vaughan, it really isn't enough to talk about um, whether he was influenced by Hendrix or, or, or anybody else. He was at the top of his game for his entire career. One of the things mm-hmm. uh, that I liked about uh, Houston back then, and I still love Houston, as well, but we had so many cool venues here where you could actually uh, see these people up close and personal, uh, whether right. it be Fitzgeralds or Rockefellers or whatever whatever it was. You really had a chance to get to know these people personally on a musical basis, and I'm sure for you, uh, the photographic uh, exposure and experience was kind of a cool thing for you too. Was it always was it always something to anticipate, or did you? Did you get to know, did he have a rhythm for the things that he did, therefore you had a rhythm for the photos you took? Uh, Well, yeah, basically. I mean, I I took my cues from him, uh, and, you know, as far as what to shoot and all that. And, you know, I I really can't play, but I'm very much into guitar. 
So, you know, it was kind of like uh, I was living vicariously mm-hmm. <laughs> through him and the, the way he played and, and all that. So, um, so yeah, um, it, you know, just just the, the rhythm and everything, just from, from the crazy, uh, uh, drunken, drug-induced episodes, uh, mm-hmm. you know, onto his sobriety. And that was, you know, so important to him and, and just changed him uh, for the better in so many ways. So, uh, I mean, he'd always been, uh, despite, uh, you know, being uh, suddenly touted as a, as a guitar idol and God, uh, he was a very humble person. And, uh, you know, if anything, being humble like that kind of, played into his addictions because, you know, it's it's hard to to go out there and, and give what people expect every night. Yeah. And uh and when you're that shy and humble, it's you know they don't call alcohol Dutch courage or whatever for nothing, you know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yeah. so um yeah, I think that I he he'd been drinking and, and doing drugs since he was like 13 or 14, but, but, you know, it just really, really was, uh, something that, you know, fame, uh, it, it increased tenfold at least. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, it was, uh, crazy times then. Crazy times. <laughs> if you remember them. Writing a book yes. is, is a process of words, uh, putting words together, but producing a book of photos is that a totally different mindset, or is it pretty much the same as writing a book full of words instead of pictures? Well, having never done either one before, <laughs> uh, I'd say it was both, because, you know, oh, I guess pretty much I chose the photos first, and that, of course, informed what I was going to write, because, uh, you know, and including... Uh, influences, Stevie's like Jimmy Vaughn and Albert King and Albert Collins and Doyle Bramhall and, and then uh, the people that I put in that, uh, you know, kind of carried on Stevie's legacy, not like, you know, the way a tribute band or something would, but just incorporated that spirit into their playing and their own music. You know, people like Eric Tesmer and... Uh, and Gary Clark Jr. and and you know all those guys, yeah. um, Ian Moore, et cetera, et cetera, all those great players who came after. Uh, once I had, you know, basically an idea. Well, this is how I want to do it photographically. Well, that I thought, well, I have to write something about these people. <laughs> and what I wrote was basically, uh, you remember when when people used to to go out to events and gallery openings and stuff and crowd in and sure. <laughs> and shake hands and talk to people. Well, yeah. when I had uh, openings and, uh, you know, at that time I had a, a, a brick-and-mortar gallery, which I no longer have. I have an online gallery and have for years, and, and this year I've become very happy about that. Uh, but when I would have gallery shows or, or events, there were always certain pictures that people would ask me the same questions about. So what I attempted to do in the writing, besides, you know, telling what was going on at the show and and how it affected me personally and artistically, I also tried to answer 
those questions that that I would get continually, uh, you know, all the all the shows that I did. So uh, that that was something that made the writing pretty easy because I just basically wrote down what I'd been saying for you know ten years. So yeah. Yeah. It made, it made the process a little bit easier. So you say you're not musical, and uh, I, I believe that. I, 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 now you know, I don't know that you don't have a guitar sitting next to you right now. But, well, I've got one, but it's not. It's it's you know, it's like maybe ten feet away. <laughs> okay, so uh, you're at the shows. You're you're doing that. Did you ever have a desire to say, hey, could you show me a couple of things, uh, Stevie? I mean, just get a couple of chords, just something like that. Do you ever have that urge to to ask him to do that? Um, well, sure, sure. I, I didn't really ever do that because, um, you know, I just, I was so, and still am, so into photography that basically that was all I did. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting that you would say that or ask me that because uh, both Stevie and Jimmy Vaughn, uh, were, they were always interested in the kind of cameras that I was using, and they really? said, "Yeah." So that was kind of, you know, we were kind of doing that uh, with with the various cameras. For example, you know, the the classic Leica cameras that I would use in the small venues at that time, at places like Fitzgeralds and Rockefellers, and all the places that were small and intimate, like you were saying a little while ago, yeah. um, I'd use the Leicas, and, you know, like, they said, well, what is that? What kind of camera is that? And, and I'd tell them, and then I had, um, uh, I, I, I don't know how many camera people are going to be listening to this, but I had Leica M4s and M3s and, and an occasional M2. I had one M3 that was from 1959. Wow. Uh, allegedly... <laughs> Stevie's number one was from 1959. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, I, you know, I was told Stevie about the, the years on the cameras and all that. And he said, oh, I bet the 59 is your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Probably so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pro- so. But, but technology has certainly uh, uh, gone well ahead of that. But let's go back to um, Tracy Ann Hart's first camera. What was your very first camera? You can tell me it's a Polaroid uh, something, mm, right? No. No? What no. was it? At my first camera, um, it was an Olympus pen, uh, which was the half frame, the small Olympus camera that my dad got me. I guess, I think I was in junior high. And, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a cool little camera. And, uh, and then I got an Olympus OM-1, which is an SLR. 35 millimeter SLR and, uh, you know, played with that for a while. And then my photography evolved to a point where I was like, you know, I need uh, different kind of lenses and a different (laughs) kind of camera. I've never been that really into SLRs. So, um, so my dad was running the Houston camera show uh, and those were great. They were like uh, like guitar shows, and the people would bring collectible stuff and and you know uh, old usable stuff and and old stuff that no one would really want to use, as well as new stuff. And uh, and by that time, I I'd gotten into Nikon's pretty much, but um, 
I saw Leica and I picked it up and played with it and, and I thought, man, I got to get one of these. So I traded all of my Nikon stuff <laughs> for a Leica. Okay. And, and that was, you know, at that time I was shooting in the clubs and it was perfect for that. Yeah, I was going to say, how'd that work out? And your answer for that is, it worked out just fine. Thank you very much. You obviously, you mentioned your dad. You come from a heritage of uh, photography, photographers and such. So he really had a, a, a big influence on your life. But if if tomorrow, if you were to put down the camera, what would you pick up? If you know, if you had some, if you had another spot to explore, what would you do? Um, I guess the guitar. Uh, Makes sense. You've got one ten feet away. I like that concept. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I can't imagine putting down the camera. I I just can't. You know, I mean, how can anybody imagine that nowadays when when we've got you know such highly advanced cameras in our phones? Yeah. So, yeah. which is very cool because uh, you know you're you're never without a camera, and if you want to. You know, you shoot something and think, oh, this would be better with a quote-unquote real camera. Well, what you're doing is you, it's a visual diary, and you say, oh, well, this was taken here and here and here, and I'll go back and, and take this equipment and, you know, whatever. So uh, I, I really like it. I, I really yeah. like digital, and I really like the, the cameras and the phones, so. Uh, I think that's very cool. You know, when you think about it, Tracy, you know, we have all become uh, budding photographers. I mean, think about all of the. You see something, and you don't have to have your camera with you. You've got your phone. Uh, you can mm -hmm. capture a, a, a moment with, with anything. You know, Tracy, print media is really an important part of what we represent at the American Advertising Federation, Houston. Obviously, the pictures and the movies and things are important. Uh, what kind of comments are you getting on this incredible new book uh, from people in our advertising community and the music community? Are they picking it up and saying, finally, or this is cool, or I've got to have this in my collection? What are folks saying about the book these days? Um, well, you know, it's hard for me to, to answer that without sounding like I have an enormous ego. Uh, I think a lot of it, uh, most of it, will say, has to do with it being about Stevie and the worldwide appeal that he had. Uh, but the people really like it, and they like the book. They like that, that it's in the book and all that, uh, that it's in that format. But, you know, it's really great. You know, not everyone can afford to, to get a print from me, because I'll admit my prints are expensive. Um, but, you know, almost everyone can afford a book. and. That's a great thing. Yeah. No, that, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, talk about the prints as well, because, you know, we're talking about the book right now, which is called Seeing Stevie Ray. Uh, but, you know, you, the Heights Gallery, as you said, used to be brick and mortar. Now it's an online gallery. But what are some of the things that you've got uh, at the gallery uh, and uh, that people can go there and find? Well, you mean at where they can go online and see? Exactly. Oh, okay. Well, the website basically has, uh, it's more of a basic outline of, of what I've shot. Um, and, uh, you know, it's got uh, information on all the, the different sizes and, and prices and, uh, and some of the, there's a few limited edition things that I've done. 
and uh, and so basically that's all there, and it has my contact information, and it just it's www.theheightsgallery.com, which is you know very important, <laughs> fairly easy. Yeah, but, I, um, people will find you. Yeah, but I, you know I'm also on Facebook and and on Instagram, and I do tend to put a lot more stuff on Instagram than on my website. It's just easier now, and I think um, more people actually see things on Instagram, and then they'll, you know, if they're really interested, they'll either direct message me or they'll go to the website, excuse me, and then direct message me. Uh, And on Instagram, I'm at the Heights Gallery, so, you know. Okay, easy to find you. Well, I'm sorry? It's easy to find you. We will find you, yes. Tracy, and yes. we will go and buy your prints and your uh, and this incredible book. You know, I had a question back for uh, about Stevie Ray. Do you think that he accepted and knew how good he was? And if so, how did he deal uh, with that level of, of fame? Well, um, that's, that's, a, that's a very lengthy answer I could give you. I think um, before he found sobriety, uh, he definitely, he knew. I mean, you, you can't not know, you know, how, how good you are. I, for one thing, why would you keep playing and, and making albums and stuff if you thought, well, my music sucks and nobody likes it, but I'm going <laughs> to put it out anyway. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah and, and doing shows and so on. But um, you know, as I said, he was very humble, and uh, so you know the the way that people uh, thought of him as a guitar idol, and so I must have. Well, I know it really messed with his head, but um, you know, throughout his life, uh, no matter if he was clean and sober or or really messed up, uh, he knew that it was a gift from God. Uh, he knew that uh, you know it just came from somewhere else. It, it wasn't uh, something that uh, that he himself created yeah. to some extent. I mean, you know, he had you know studied his technique and and practiced and and played and played and played. But but the basic chops and the basic talent, he knew it came from somewhere else. You know, there's yeah. a, there's a lot of good guitarists, a lot of good musicians, but there are only a few um, great musicians. And I think you're correct. I think it's something that comes uh, specific with a particular person. Speaking of creating, uh, creating anything is a huge task. And we were we were with you as as that creation process for the book was uh, was happening. And uh, that can be kind of a painful process at times. Would you suggest that's a true statement? Yeah, I, I was going to say, you know, um, uh, one is um, often told that it's good to stay in the present. Well, that's very hard to do when you're doing a book of photographs that you've taken over 30 years. So, yeah. You know, and, and when you go back and, and you know, for, well, first of all, what, uh, what a terrible loss it was that when, when Stevie passed away, but you know, also the personal things, like you think, of, oh, I went to the show with, you know, so-and-so who's not around anymore or yeah. showed this picture to my dad or my mom, and they're not around anymore. So, 
Uh, yeah, it was it was painful at times. And then, you know, what I wrote about uh, not making it to what would have been the last show of Stevie's um, in July of 1990 in, in Dallas uh, that I didn't go because I was just so messed up on coke and speed. Mm. Uh, you know, that was that was a huge turning point for me. Wow. Uh, although, you know, I talked to Stevie uh, the last year of his life. I talked to him several times about getting clean, but I just wasn't ready. And, you know, people will tell you if you're not ready, it doesn't matter what someone else does yeah. or what they say to you. Yeah. So uh, he did serve as a huge inspiration to me when I did finally get clean good for you congratulations on that you know had he lived do you think what would his music sound like now uh you know would it be I different have no idea <laughs> i mean that's that's a that's a, uh, a question that i you know of course i've pondered but uh i i, I just don't know i mean that's like you know what would hendrix sound like True. you know and any of the uh, uh, muddy waters. What would he sound like? You know, stuff like that. I, I think I maybe maybe the, the the short answer to that question would be uh, not any different than he did before. I mean, maybe there would be some technological nuances that made it a little bit different or whatever. But I think these people who are so successful in the music business, they have a sound, a style. And uh, they work around it a little bit like that, but the basis of their greatness really never never changes. I mean, why would you want somebody to change or be different than what they were doing? So it's, it's, uh, I think I answered my own question, Tracy. That's fine. Yeah, and you know, but that can be a double-edged sword for a musician. I, I, I know as far back, as I said, of Hendrix, you know, uh, he would say, well, people don't want to hear new stuff. They want to, you know, see me uh, set the guitar on fire and, yeah. you know, play with my teeth or whatever. They want to see the, the same thing over and over. And, you know, or people like Ian Moore, whose music evolves as the years go on, and people are like, oh, we liked you better when you were doing the old stuff. You know, <laughs> it's, <laughs> how can you, you know, how can you do that? Um, or you know, I, I also, as far as photography goes, I have a, a lot of people say, you know, oh, well, black and white is better than color, and, and uh, don't you miss the dark room, and, and so on and so forth. Well, no, not really. <laughs> um, uh, for one thing, dark room chemicals are, are really toxic, and uh, and so, you know, that's not a really good thing to be inhaling for 30 years. Um, but um, also, you know, the, the question of black and white versus color, uh, I love color photography, and, and there's some things that just pretty much have to be in color and some that need to be in black and white. But the reason that I shot so much of Stevie uh, and that time period in black and white was because basically at that time, color films sucked. <laughs> okay. You know, that, that you would... You know, the slow film, the, the film that was like uh, yeah. uh, 200, 164 ISO. Well, that was great. But you got up to like 400 ectochrome and uh, and higher 
than that ISO, and it looked horrible. It was just grainy, and the colors shifted, and it looked terrible. And now, you know, of course, digital, 400 ISO is nothing. Yeah. So uh, that's a huge improvement. And had I had uh, a digital camera the, the way they are now, as advanced as they are now, uh, back then, I'm sure I would have shot Stevie in color, not necessarily at the clubs, but when he was playing, you know, outside at uh, the Astrodome or yeah. Sam Houston Coliseum or, or the Summit or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that there was a practical reason for shooting the black and white, uh, not just an artistic one. And um, it's... <laughs> I, do you remember what... what you know, uh, fast color film was like in the 80s and very early 90s, how not, bad it was. Not very, no, not very good, no, no. But it was okay because that's what we had, right? Well, not really. I mean, I, was, I, I would look at it and go, man, I wish there were some option <laughs> that was better. And, yeah. and so now there is, and, and that's a great thing, you know. Your business, like our business, the sound business, is constantly uh, evolving, developing. Uh, cost of uh, uh, execution is going down. Uh, the, the ability to do things, you know, look, look, a lot of the music that is created these days is created in somebody's home. It's no longer in a studio. They're going to bring it to the studio to put the finishing touches on it. You do the mastering and such like that. But a lot of this stuff comes to... Uh, comes to the final process as stems, and they're just uh, kind of tweaked and made better. But uh, I, I find it very interesting, and that's not going to change. We're going to see this exponentially change, 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 change uh, as we go decade by decade and see things that we probably can't even uh, imagine at this point. Right. I, think it, I think it's okay as well. You know, I had a question for you. Is there another Stevie Ray Vaughan out there today? I'm not talking about somebody who sounds and plays and looks like, you know. I'm talking about somebody of his caliber of talent and uh, and uh, everything that goes with that. Is there somebody out there right now that you uh, really have your eye on that that is very much uh, on the same route? Well, that's a very good question. And, you know, I did mention Gary Clark Jr. and Ian Moore and uh, Eric Tesmer. Um you know, and, and just, there's a lot of great music out there. Um, there's, of course, Vintage Trouble, which we mentioned, and, uh, you know, that band has been uh, described as uh, uh, James Brown's running Led Zeppelin. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's an interesting they're, concept. They're, they're really great. They are a really great band, and, you know, that's a band that's, that's around now. Um uh, and, you know, Gary, and, oh, I love Lucas Nelson, and I think he's an incredible guitar player. Uh, actually, his father is, too. You know, you, you don't you don't read, well, oh, Willie Nelson, guitar player, but, but you think about, you know, him and Trigger and, yeah. and his guitar playing. It's very unique, and it's very, very fine. Um, and Lucas, you know, they just, Gibson just put out a, a Lucas Nelson Les Paul Jr. So mm. I'm not the only person who thinks he's a really great guitar player. Wow. And, uh, uh, you know, he does a, a really, really good version of Texas Flood. And he's pretty much a Stevie fanatic, too. Yeah, yeah. So, 
We've got um, a lot. We we create a lot of great music here in Texas, don't we? Oh yeah, absolutely. And then uh, there's a, a band called Fantastic Negrito, uh, and people should check them out. That's a, a really good band, and uh, uh, that's out of Oakland. Uh, but, but they're they're something else, and and they just put out a a new record, uh, and it's got you know it's got. Uh, kind of a, a Stevie Wonder feel to some of the songs on that. So Really? Uh, okay. Kind of have you lost your mind yet? And it, you know, written during the pandemic. So so here we have Tracy Einhardt, a photographer of the rock stars and music critic. I like those two things together. <laughs> this is good. I like that. You know, Tracy, thank you so much for the great things you do for the American Advertising Federation, Houston. It's really special when you are able to uh, to be at our events. But here's what I want to say to, to folks who are listening to the podcast or on the radio program as well. Uh, go get the book because it's a cool factor in your house. It's called Seeing Stevie Ray. Tracy Ann Hart is the uh, H-A-R-T, by the way, is the, is the, is the uh, person who put this all together. It's uh, Texas A&M University Press out of College Station. And you'll read forewords by Eric Tesmer. David Grissom, and Nally Colt as well. This is a great book, and uh, we're, we're so happy to be able to know you. And I, I just I hope you sell at least a million or two of these things because uh, they need to be oh, out there too. as well. <laughs> well, you know, it's not just um, for Stevie. I mean, you know, he, he, his people need to know about him. Uh, and keep knowing about him, yeah. and also just what an influence he is and was uh, to people who want to get sober. Uh, and still, you know, uh, he would take the time to talk to anyone who uh, who was trying to do that the last four years of his life when he was clean. And there are people now who, uh, you know, I get direct messages from social media from people who are struggling with addiction now, and Stevie is an influence to them and a, an inspiration, and that's wonderful. I, that would please him very much. And not just, I, I know putting it that way, it just sounds like it would be a big ego boost, but it, I mean, it would just, uh, it, it would be something that, that would uh, fill his heart and his soul with, with joy. Well, I agree about that. You know, we all have to have purpose in life. Obviously, one of uh, Stevie's uh, purpose was to uh, entertain us and really, really entertain us. But now what you're telling me, one of his other uh, purposes in life was to help people uh, deal with the, the life issues like the drug addiction and such like that. So it seems that it was a double, uh, kind of a double thing for him. And uh, I think that's pretty cool. But what you've done in this book, what the, the pictures that you put together, you're going to sit and read and read and look at the pictures, and then you're going to open the cover, and you're going to go do it again because you probably missed something. But, uh, Tracy, thank you uh, again for uh, for doing this book, and uh, thanks for being a part uh, with us here, the crew. Um, we, we, we call ourselves the Band of Gypsies for the American Advertising <laughs> Federation. Of Athletes, yeah. yeah. Well, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate that, Ray. Keep uh, keep it going. More pictures, more great stuff coming your way or our way, okay? All right, I sure will. So isn't that really cool? you got to go check out that book. Go get it. I mean, seriously, just go get it so you have one. 
Ad Speaks Houston, the Addy Award-winning podcast created and produced by Radio Lounge for the American Advertising Federation Houston chapter. Find out more at aaf-houston.net. Subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform so you'll never miss a new podcast. And your rating on iTunes also going to help us grow. And don't be afraid to share what you've heard today on social media with all of your friends. also invite you to meet the people that represent District 10 of the American Advertising Federation. That's Adtention, a podcast that we produce for them as well. Adtention, the podcast for District 10. Check it out. Until next time, thanks for listening. Ad Speaks Houston, copyright 2020. I'm Ray Shillings.